attention, please. The Magic Garway Podcast is now leaving from New Orleans for an artistic tour of all things Disney. Jumbo, everyone. Rumble. Hi, Mr. Anonymous here, and you are listening to the Magic Our Way podcast. Magic Our Way takes an artistic view of all things Disney-related. Join your hosts, Kevin and Danny, Marvel expert and proprietor of ivorycomics.com, Eli, and your personal earmarked travel agent, you've got a friend in Lee, Lee Lastavica. Come join the Mile Weekend Nation on social media and at magicourway.com. Jumbo, everyone! Harambe! And welcome to another edition of the, the Magic, Magic Our Way podcast. podcast. Asante San, everybody. This is the Magic RA podcast from New Orleans, Louisiana, in the United States of America. My name is Kevin. And I'm Danny. And on the show today, we have our Marvel Maven. I don't know if I put that right, but we have our comic book ace, the guy that knows everything about drawing sequential art, Mr. Eli Ivory of Ivory Comics. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very good. I thought my name was Maven for a second. I'm glad you... Reminded me. Yeah, I wanted to make sure I clarified that before we, we went on. I was going to check that. my birth certificate for a second. <laughs> the artist formerly known as Eli. That's right. <laughs> Rest in peace, Prince. Yes, yes. Um, you know, on the show today, we I, I got an email today, and it says that we could upgrade our Lee, kind of like just like the iPhone. I didn't I didn't realize we could do that. Oh, really? Uh, so I, I processed it. I put it in, and we uh, we have our upgraded Lee on the show today. Uh, and you know who they gave it? They gave us um, the the former executive vice president of Walt Disney World Operations. Lee. He gave us that, Lee. How do you like that? Well, that's pretty fortunate. That's a great upgrade. Yeah, so welcome to the show, Mr. Lee Cockrell. How you doing, sir? Well, I'm good, and you know, I fit right in with you guys in New Orleans because I was named after a bartender who gave my mother 20 bucks when I was born. Oh! <laughs> now, not to be too personal, but why did he give your mom $20? <laughs> she never discussed that with me. <laughs> it's what he, might been, he might have been my dad. I don't know. <laughs> could be one of those things where, son, you know what? One day I'll tell you the story. Today's not that day. What happens in the South stays in the South. Right. Yeah, oh. I'm from Oklahoma, the divorce capital of the world. Really? Oh, oh man. They all get a divorce down there eventually. Really? Why Jeez. is that? Uh, you know, Oklahoma, you get to spend so much time together. I can't imagine why people would be falling for divorce. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was either that or they're fighting over Oklahoma State, o- Oklahoma University kind of thing. One of those deals. Sooners, Sooners. Yeah, Boomer yeah, Sooner or the Cowboys, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that probably plays a lot into it. You know, Lee, real quick, I, I just got to say this off the bat. You know, my introduction to you uh, happened uh, about six years ago. We had just gone on a family trip to Walt Disney World, and uh, we were on the plane with my father. My father is... My father is big time into leadership and management. Uh, he, he worked as a captain in the police department. And right now, he's, he's a director of security for the New Orleans Saints. And wow. um, I see him reading. The, he's hunched over. He's reading this book. And he's got a highlighter out. And he's highlighting passages of this book. And I'm, I've never seen him do this before. And I was like, what, what are you reading? And he holds up this bright blue book. And it was creating magic. And I was like, okay, I'm not a, a, a lead. I don't have people work on it. I'm kind of a department in and of myself. There but, you go. Yeah, but at the same time, I mean, I was intrigued. I was like, so he let me borrow it, and I read your book, and uh, 
just a fan, just a, a huge fan, and thank you for agreeing to be on this podcast. I Absolutely. Can't, thank you enough. Well, I'm glad I didn't have a father that was a policeman or I'd have really been in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> it's scary sometimes. It, it, was, yeah. it was scary sometimes. I'd pop in all day when we were young and I'd be like, oh, don't, don't shoot. Just, I'm a friend. You know, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now I think our, our first question is that, and I'm sure you've gotten this one a million times over as the former executive vice president of operations at Walt Disney World. Uh, c- can you get me a job? <laughs> yeah, but you probably wouldn't like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a job. Got to work your way up. Got to work your way up. You yeah, when people in America say they can't get a job, that, that's un, that's ridiculous. You can get a job. You got to be willing to move. You got to be able to do a lot of things. Take anything and get your hands on and show them what you can do, and then you get move up. Well, yeah, true. you're right, and that's the thing. And, and having a job is is so much better when you have a really. I'm fortunate. I have a great boss. Uh, yeah. he, he trusts me to do my job and he encourages me, lets me know when I do well and everything like that. And that is really uh, all you can ask for in a job because you can have one of the best jobs in the world. But if you're miserable and you're, jo- you're, you're treated like you're one of thousands, I mean, it, it doesn't help you out any. Well, that's true. And about I think the statistics are 75, 80% of people hate their job and mm-hmm. probably hate their boss. So, <laughs> so you know, I, and then everybody wants Donald Trump and uh, Hillary to save their life. <laughs> yeah. Right. Good luck with that one. Yeah. 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 Right. Exactly. I'm hiding my retirement under my mattress right now. <laughs> yeah. Probably a good idea. <laughs> So I'm sure you've discussed your background a million times over. I know I've heard it, but I'm sure our listeners would like to hear you touch on it a little bit. But uh, can, I, can I just ask you real quick, as a child, uh, were you a fan of Disney growing up? I was, but, you know, I I had quite a growing up. I grew up on a little farm in Oklahoma. You know, we didn't mm-hmm. get a TV till I was in fifth grade. Wow. Mm. So uh, once we got that, of course, we started watching Disney the Sunday night wide world of disney and all that kind of stuff and of course we had the comic books and the storybooks the little golden books and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but yeah we knew disney all from from yeah from the very beginning and uh, little did i know that i'd ever get off the farm (laughs) and get to magic kingdom did did y'all ever get an opportunity to visit any of the parks whether it's the west coast uh Primarily, uh, I guess, or you know, I grew up on a farm. You don't go on vacation, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, the, yeah. The, the cows have to be milked. They don't understand you taking a couple of days yes, off. Indeed. <laughs> yes, indeed. Poor but, cows. Uh, yeah. Later on, when I got married, my wife and I, uh, I lived in Los Angeles with when I worked for Hilton, and uh, we went to Disneyland. We took our two-year-old, and we had so much fun. We left him home and went back again. So, oh. <laughs> two-year-old is kind of a pain to have with you. Yeah, I, I've done. <laughs> That. I've, I've taken my, my, my little ones. I'm about to take another one in July down to Walt Disney World. Well, I think it influenced my son. You know, he's the magic. He's the vice president of the Magic Kingdom now in Orlando. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so we know people. I mean, that's how yeah, it works in Louisiana. See? You right. know people who know be- y- Y'all are instantly cousins. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah, a lady asked me one day. She said, Mr. Cockrell, can you ma- imagine a world without Disney? And that was a pretty good question because I could travel all over the world. And I, I was in Cambodia in the middle of the jungle, and a kid came up to me, a local kid with a Mickey Mouse t shirt on. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable everywhere you go. Oh, wow. wow. You know, and they're opening in uh, Shanghai on June 16th. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, Mickey's getting around. Yeah. Well, before we <laughs> move on to that, we just make, want to make sure yeah, you did serve in the Army. Is that correct? That's the branch of service you served in? I did. I yeah. was a cook. 
Oh, wow. And I, I was stationed in uh, uh, Fort Polk, Louisiana. Oh, look at that. The wor- worst place I've ever been. <laughs> <laughs> so, so not to get personal, but is that where you met, like, were you, how you met your wife was when you were stationed in Louisiana? No, I was in the Army, and I met a guy. We were both in cook school, and we were the only ones who could read. And we came out, I came out number two, and he came out number one in the class <laughs> out of 300. But so I learned reading's a good, 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 good deal. You get ahead that way. And okay. uh, so he said, "You want to go to Washington?" When we got out of the army, and I said, "What are you going to do?" He said, "I'm going to be the chef at the Washington Hilton. It opens in three weeks." And I said, "Sure, I'll go." We went to Ardmore, Oklahoma. Got my car. We went to Washington. Went over the Hilton, and I got a job as a banquet waiter. I was 20 years old, and. Uh, Stayed with Hilton eight years, and my wife was in the. I got into a um, little uh, management job, and I had an office, and my wife was in the office next door. She was nineteen or twenty, and she used to come into my office to use my pencil sharpener. Oh, and hey, okay. that was that was it. And uh, and the, I, and the I rest is her, I watched her sharpening those pencils. <laughs> Just something about the way you sharpen those pencils, baby. Yeah. And three years later, we got married. So and the yeah, rest and is it, history, it, so they say, yeah. right? Yeah, we got number forty-eight coming up in August. Oh wow! Oh, congratulations! congratulations. Yeah. yeah, I'm yeah. coming up on my ninth on Thursday, so that's. Well, I can tell you, my wife said I'm doing better since I retired. She said she's going to stay, so I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And that's not because you have her handcuffed to uh, the bedpost or anything like that, right? right. <laughs> She's- no, and she hasn't always said that. So. <laughs> so now, is that what you wanted to be growing up? You wanted to be a cook? No, I wanted to stay married. <laughs> <laughs> My mother was married five times. My brother four. I'm trying to get the family average down. So you, you wanted to break the trend that was happening at exactly. the time. Yeah, You've broken the curve. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah, I was one of these guys that didn't want to do anything. I thought you stayed in high school your whole life. And then I found out. Uh, my mother married this doctor, number four, mm-hmm. and uh, he had money, so I got to go to college, but I didn't go to class, so that doesn't work out too well. And uh, so I, that's why I went in the army. Back in those days, you either went in the army or you waited around and got drafted anyway. So uh, oh, yeah, right. If you weren't in college. Yeah. Well, you're an inspiration to all of us who didn't know what they wanted to do when they were uh, growing up as well. So yeah, yeah. And definitely, thank you for your service. Yeah. I, had, yeah. I, I seriously had zero idea what I wanted to do. I had no idea. People said, didn't you have a 10-year plan? I said, are you kidding? (laughs) Every time I got promoted, I kept quiet. I was afraid they'd figure out I didn't know what I was doing. So that was... uh if you have a good attitude and you're organized, you can get away with a lot. I was going to say, it's hard reading your books and not thinking that you don't have a plan laid out as to exactly how your future was going to play out. I do more today than I did back in those days. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what a plan, why you would even want a plan. So, But uh, (laughs) when you're 16, 17, 18, 19, you know, your judgment's not too good. And from what I remember from the podcast and reading your book, I know that was skills that you had acquired, had learned as you were going through the years. So it wasn't something that was like innate. You got out and you learned what had how to do things or how to be organized and all this kind of stuff. It was 15 years. I'd been working before I went to a time management class and really learned how to get more organized and disciplined and how to plan my, you know, my day, my week, uh, things I need to be working on, uh, kind of setting priorities of where I should spend my time, where I should not spend it, and mm-hmm. what was going to pay off for me. And that was probably the key key thing I ever did, this time management. That's why I wrote that book, Time Management Magic, because most people are so disorganized, it's frightening. And uh, 
and uh, at every level, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, sir. Yeah, you're right about that. Life is tough. You know, there's a lot coming at us these days, and it's hard to keep up with everything. And half the people are on anxiety pills and depression and stressed mm-hmm. out and drinking too much and whatever else is going on out there. You know, most people don't even think that they could need like time management. I can, I can do that all on my own. I'm, I'm fine. But until you start picking up a lot of the lessons that you learn and doing that kind of thing, you don't realize how disorganized your own life is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the priority is a mess. It's a mess yeah, for me. I, I said if you have a day planner, at least you know what you didn't get done every day. That's good. <laughs> <That's right>, yeah. <laughs> but you mean writing in something? I don't know how to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah, I tell you, I'll tell you, listen, you get that book, Time Management Magic, you buy yourself a planner, and I will guarantee you your life will change oh, if, yeah. you, if you have the discipline to implement it. Oh, yeah. Well, hey, you know, it's funny about the planner thing. Is that, well, you're on a show with a bunch of creatives. You know, we're, we have two visual artists here and Danny and Eli and, and my, myself, I'm a performing artist. I'm a musician. And so, so you're really disorganized. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was getting. It's like, you know, early in my career in music, you know, I, I, I learned very quickly I had to be organized, especially mm-hmm. when I was taking jobs and music gigs and everything else. When I first started, I did have a write-down planner. And then as I guess as technology went on, like, well, the thing with me and my planner is I used to lose it. Because <laughs> I carry it with me everywhere, and I was like, where the heck did I put it? So I wanted something where I could back up on the computer. So here comes the Palm Pilot. Went to the Palm Pilot, and then they had the Sony Clear. Okay, I went to the Sony Clear. Then they came out with smartphones that you could back up, and then I could do the uh, same kind of thing I used to do in my day planner. And then eventually it progressed, and now I, I, I primarily use my iPhone, and I have pretty much my entire schedule of jobs, music, music jobs, and things that I need to get done in and around the house uh, documented in my phone all backed up onto my computer. So as far as writing in a day planner, I, I remember those days when I had to do it. And I also remember freaking out when I forgot where I placed it. Yeah, yeah. and also you're still not organized if you're not using a planner. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hear this all the time. It, I, it's just an amazing difference. And uh, uh, people are writing to me every week and telling me, since I went back to a paper planner, I've gotten back. She said, I don't know why I went to my phone for, you know, my phone's great. I have my phone too, and I love mm-hmm. it for everything except the task list. <laughs> I yeah. like to sit down and write it down and look at it and think about it. When you write things down, it goes in your brain better yeah and yeah. uh i guarantee you i use the day timer and uh, they're coming back because people can't understand why they're so disorganized well and uh, yeah the cool and thing then, about then the... your battery goes down and then you lose your phone you know have you ever lost your phone oh god yeah, yeah. I'll let's how go. do you feel <laughs> but powerless <I'm> <laughs> impotent <laughs> i tell people it's worse than losing your children at Walmart, you know? <laughs> you, don't even, you don't even care if you find your kids. You want to find your phone first. Well, and the best part is, is like when you make plans, nine times out of ten, you're on your phone, and you're like, uh, hey, okay, yeah, I can be there for that day. Let's, let me hang up with you so I can go ahead and type it in. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's total madness. Yes. Yeah, the cool thing about the day plan is that you get the big picture of everything that you have. Yeah. Uh, on thing, whereas you know, on the, on the phone, you got to scroll and this, and you know, you don't lose you lose sight of whatever went off the screen. Well, when you write it down and stuff, you know you can see everything that you have all at once. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I gotta, I gotta prioritize this. I gotta get going on this. You know, so you you better get back to that. Yeah. Oh, actually, I have. I I, I use notepads <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> yeah, notepads. Yeah. Those fit yeah. in your pocket pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> no, that's just true though. Uh, the the job I started at, um, I actually do like IT to actually make a living. And it was so much stuff going on in my work environment that I actually got a little bitty notebook because every time there was a different technical problem, I had to start jotting down all of the different solutions and everything that we tried. And yeah, I had this little bitty notebook with me, it's like passwords 
everything. So like, you know, yeah. that, and it, you, it can, helps. you can write faster than you can type in your phone anyway. No, Absolutely. Yeah. No yeah. Kidding. Yeah. Oh. That could be, you could be anywhere. You know, you don't have to worry about some place where your signal dies out if you're under a tunnel or something like that. Right. So, yeah. And you don't look weird when you got your phone out typing while you're having dinner with your girlfriend, you know. Now, she's probably <laughs> eating dinner. Last, last date I had, she was on the phone typing, too. Wow, you know, like, can you eat the meal before it gets cold? <laughs> I'm paying for that. Well, if you forget certain things, you won't have a girlfriend. So. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I'm lucky. I've got a wonderful day planner, and we've been married for nine years, and she's great. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, yeah. Nine years. That's about the time they leave. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Better be on my best behavior. Yeah. All the time. This is the key years, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to have my date call you now, because maybe I'll have a chance to get the second date, if that's, a, yeah. if that's the case. Yeah. Give me your number. <laughs> <laughs> you probably can take it a better place to eat than I can. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Like, yes, wherever, wherever she wants to go. <laughs> there you go. So, Lee, let me ask you this. One of the things that really stood out for me uh, from your book is that when you worked in the, in the hospitality industry, you kind of learned a lot of uh, lessons when it comes to bad leadership. And I don't, maybe it was a like different day and age back then and there. But I mean, like those bad lessons usually came getting physically assaulted or something. I mean, it, and to be able to look at it objectively as you did at the time and not only just say, Hey, look, I, I, I can take my share of blame for inciting the amount of anger and I'm going to learn something from this. I thought that was pretty impressive. Well, you know, my problem was I grew up in this dysfunctional family and didn't have a college degree. And so I was so insecure that I was, uh, you know, kind of aggressive and uh, intimidating and tried to bully people around so they wouldn't figure me out. And that's what insecure people do. I always tell people if somebody's yelling at you or they're raising their voice or trying to intimidate you, that's a person with su- insecurity problems. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, look at Donald Trump. This guy's a madman. <laughs> I mean, uh-huh. that's insecurity. Yes. That's all that is. You don't go around calling people names. Like, you know, I can't even imagine if I call him in 40 years, I never called anybody a lie and so and so. I mean, give me a break. I wouldn't want my kids even listening to that stuff. So bullies uh, often are insecure, and I was a bully early in my career, and I got hit twice. I got 14 stitches in my head because I didn't talk to people properly. And then later on, I got fired, and then I got passed over, and finally I learned, and then I had a great career. But it took me a while. My wife said to me, Lee, you think the reason people hit you is because the way you talk to them? (laughs) I said, must be. (laughs) So I I haven't been hit since 1973. But, you know, that sounds like something I wife would say you got hit it's your fault it's your fault <laughs> yeah, well she's probably right yeah they generally are <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah that was uh, pretty tough because when you go around pushing people around you got to be careful and today i would never do i tell people i don't have any road rage i don't have any rage because everybody in louisiana and oklahoma and florida got a gun <laughs> yeah <laughs> this is a good point that is some serious I just, truth right I there just smile and let them go that's it the humility is a big deal. You got to really be careful. You don't start believing your own press, yeah, uh, and thinking you're a hot stuff because most people don't think you're hot stuff. <laughs> so, you know, everybody knows who the jerks are. Yeah, I mean, really. Well, that's a fine line though, because if you're too humble, then everybody thinks they could just walk all over you. Right. Oh, I don't think so. I think you can be firm and still nice. You know, my son was growing up uh, when he screwed up and did something. He never forgot it when I got finished with him. 
<laughs> and uh, I never raised my voice and I never hit him. He thinks I did, but I didn't. And uh, just be firm and clear and straightforward and tell people your expectations and you know, what you're going to put up with and what you're not going to put up with and uh, have a nice day. But uh, <laughs> I think clarity, a lot of people beat around the bush. They don't want to just, they don't want to confront. Right, right, yeah, right. People don't want to have those difficult conversations, and that's what leaders do. That's what good parents do. They have mm -hmm. difficult conversations with their children, and because uh, they love them and they want to take care of them. And people in business need to do that too, because those people, their careers are in your hands when you're the boss. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I have, and actually, it really scares people even more when you don't raise your voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, you, you, you've said it a million times. Treat your employees like you treat your children. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to get my son scared of me or mm -hmm. intimidating. I see people at Disney grabbing their kids by the arm, you know, and dragging them. And boy, I just want to go over and whack them upside the head. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid I'd get in jail these days because I tell people you can't hit your kids anymore with a witness around. Yeah, so, well, <laughs> cell phones. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we've got to really rethink the way we treat people. It's just uh, too bad. And a lot of people. They've got a bad enough life. I tell you, everybody's got a problem you don't know about, and mm -hmm. we need to be kinder, I think. Uh, people have already got enough problems. They don't need to come to work and have 12 more. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Do you have to treat the newer generation differently than what you treated, say, the baby boomers to the Generation X to millennials? millennials. I mean, are there different ways of treating different uh, people? Generations well, of people? Sure yeah. there are. I mean, the baby boomers are – the kids today are 10 times smarter than we were. Mm-hmm. And they know more. They're well traveled. They are aware of more things. The education's better. Uh, I mean, today these kids today they grow up and they want to be involved. They want to be heard. They don't want to be sitting in some low level job for five years. Yes. Uh, millennials are great, but I tell you, you've got to you got to get to know them. You've got to make them feel special you gotta they'll do a great job for you mm -hmm. but they're gonna have a life also they're not gonna work 60 70 hours a week like i did mm -hmm. they're committed to their careers they're out there working hard but they also like to have fun too mm -hmm. and uh that's you know as i tell people you got to learn to work with these millennials it's all we got mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, yeah. if you don't learn to work with each generation, you know there's a lot of people in the baby boom generation are pretty bad too i'm sure you know some of them yeah and yeah. uh call parents they're living on the they're living on the streets in in New Orleans. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But they have the coolest signs when you so, pass by them. Yeah, we like to say this is. I tell people just quit thinking about who they are, where they're from, what year they were born, and just focus on people as individuals. There are bad people my age, and there are bad people at eighteen. There's bad people at thirty, and there's great people at each one of those. And yeah, right. just mm -hmm. got to select better, be better. Uh, yeah, you got to pick better people and. Uh, and uh, you'll be happy with them. I, we have thousands of millennials at Disney, and we they do a great job because we're very clear about our expectations. If you want to work here, here's how it is. If you don't, move on down the road to that other place. And uh, <laughs> so uh, wherever that is. Yeah. yeah. Whole Foods. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, when you tell people how it is, and we don't play around, we're putting on a show, and now you know if mm -hmm. you don't want to do this. And about 20, 25% of the people after we have that conversation decide not to work for Disney. They get up and leave. Wow. And uh, don't even fill out an application after we clarify expectations. And that's, you know, it's like your parents. Clarifying expectations is mm -hmm. important. My, my mother clarified them. She was a terrorist before they invented them. 
my brother and I did not mess with her. She, she, didn't, she did not play. She didn't wait till you got home late. She came out and looked for you and made you get out of the car and get in her car. Yes, that indeed. was pretty embarrassing. <laughs> well, you know, I, I got to imagine that a lot of the uh, the cast members who've applied to work at uh, Disney grew up kind of like many of us. Like they love the Disney movies, the cartoons and theme parks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you have employees that already have a passion for Disney going into the job, I mean, how much easier does that make it for a leader to motivate their employees? Or does it make it harder because the expectation doesn't quite mesh with the discipline needed to, uh, you know, pull off the magic? Oh, I think uh, the people that decide they want to work for us and are really excited about being at Disney, they're so excited they can't stand it. And they're pretty impressed with our leadership. The managers mm-hmm. treat them respectfully. They include them. They listen to them. They help them with their careers. They understand their aspirations. So that's a pretty good spot to be in. And 85%, 85 90% of our managers come out of the hourly ranks. So they know mm-hmm. they can get ahead there at Disney and they're seven. There now, but uh, we have very low turnover, and I think that's because people find the culture and the environment uh, really uh, so different than any place they've ever worked that they really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. So, like it, you know, if you got the right culture at home, your kids won't run away from home. So, yeah. if you know, we've just got to think about culture and, and how we treat people and understand where they're coming from, and you know, and when you do that. Uh, I think culture, you know, culture is always beats any processes, any procedures. Uh, cultures, you get culture right, everything else turns out right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Kind of um, going along with the timeline here, you, you were at Hilton first, correct? And, yeah. And then you went to Marriott. And then yeah. I remember reading somewhere that you said you got recruited by Disney. Uh, I did. To go work for that. How, how, how did that come about? Was it, was it something, well, I'm just curious, how, how did that come about to where they saw you? I said, this is a guy that needs to come work for us. Well, this is a good lesson and get along with everybody. So I'm working at Marriott, and this guy comes to work with me, and he reports to me. His name's Sanjay Varma. They okay. bring him in from the Middle East. He has been working for Marriott over there, and he got in trouble with uh, at Mecca when he was trying to sell something he wasn't supposed to. And <laughs> they had to fly him out of the country before he got arrested. Wow. Oh. And, and they sent him to Washington. They, they assigned him to me, and he worked, he worked for me. And he worked for me for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And then later on, he and I were both promoted to vice presidents of food and beverage operations, and we worked together and became good friends. And then he left, and he went to Disney. In Orlando, and about two years later, I got a call, and he said, "Lee, I'd like for you to come down to Orlando and interview to be the opening director of food and beverage for Paris." Yeah, I said, "Okay." So I asked my <laughs> wife. I said, "What do you think?" She said, "Absolutely." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Are you crazy? What if it doesn't work out? I'm here at Marriott. I got a good job. Everything's great." She said, "Lee." If you don't take this opportunity, you're going to regret it in five years. That you got to work in Paris, you got to work for Disney, and they're going to pay you. And I think that was right. Take a risk in life. We did. It turned out to be the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he recruited me, even though I'd worked, he'd worked for me for many years. And then now he recruited me, and I worked for him in Paris. So now I report to him. So uh, <laughs> that's how life works. And uh, you never know who's going to be your boss. That's it, a might good be, point. it might be that little 10-year-old standing next to you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, you got to do a good job regardless of what your situation is around, regardless of who you're working with. Yeah, that's a, and that's a you good way to, to show how trust is actually built. I mean, it, it's something that does take time, especially in a, in a working environment. Yeah. And somebody says, yeah, he has skills. I trust him as well. 
Yeah, come yeah. up here and, and, and get a shot, yeah. And that's what he was looking for. He, I was one of the few people who could tell him what was on my mind. Most people were scared to death of him. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I would work together, and we were good friends, and I would give him good positive feedback, which is he needed because he was – uh, not always uh, paying attention to the people. He was always about the process or the job or the mm-hmm. whatever you're working on, and you got to do both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he, we were good. We were a good team. We worked together for three years over there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, actually, we went to India together. He's Indian, so we went to India for a month once, and that was a big eye opener for me. How uh, so? Yeah. Hello, just the poverty and the religious issues and. Mm-hmm. Oh, people yeah. everywhere. And the beggars, I mean, people begging, begging, begging. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wears you down. Oh, God, and, yeah. And people living on the street, on the sidewalk. And, I mean, it's like unbelievable. Wow. I always yeah. hear that when people talk about India. I've never been. It's, um, I'd go back. It was, it was unbelievable. And, uh, you know, they're cremating people on the banks of the Ganges with big stack of oak firewood. Mm-hmm. Putting the body on there and lighting it right. in the morning, dawn. I mean, I was going, wow. I mean, there's so many things going on. It just overwhelms you. Wow. That's <clears> hardcore. <throat> All right. So uh, you spent three years in France. Is that correct? I did. I went there in 90 to 93, and then I got asked to come back to Walt Disney World to be uh, the senior vice president of operations for the hotel division. Okay. And, and I did that for two or three years and then I was promoted to be in charge of all operations at Disney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So was your background uh, at the Marriott and then your, you know, your time over at Disney in Paris, uh, you know, you'd, you'd spent quite a bit of time in the hospitality industry. When you take that kind of a job over at, at Walt Disney world, I mean, um, sure. They, they got to get you up to speed on things when it, when it comes to the theme parks. I mean, how do you get up to, to speed on things like for ride operations or, um, because I can imagine the resorts and, and it translating well, but uh, like, but they give you like a presentation, like here's what you need to know about uh, how our theme parks operate. How does that work out? Yeah, actually, I was in charge of theme parks for ten years. I didn't know anything about them, <laughs> <laughs> but I had people who did, and that was the key. That's the key in life: get people mm-hmm. around you who are experts. Mm-hmm. And I had experts. I didn't know anything about anything. I mean, I just had experts everywhere. And food and beverage, merchandise, retail, shows, entertainment, all these people report security. Everybody reported to me, and I really, I think there's a, there's a key to managing experts. And the key is get great people and then let mm-hmm. them do their job, and they can come to you if they need some help. But mm-hmm. probably technical help you can't give them because it's too complex today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have a lot of – so we had just great people, and they did their job. And if I could help them with something, they came to see me, and I tried to keep the team working together. And that was pretty much my job. But I would say but basically I – I wasn't an expert in anything. <laughs> <laughs> so they come in there, they they say, hey, listen, this is what we want to do. And you're like, makes sense. Go ahead and do it. You did your yeah. research. I might ask them a few questions. Say, mm-hmm. do you, you think it's going to work? What's the downside? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. what, what if it doesn't work? Can we reverse it? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's not reversible, then let's work on it some more and look at it a little deeper and make sure we're on the right track. Or if it's going to cost a million dollars, let's make sure we got our act together and mm-hmm. let's do some more research, get finance involved here and some other experts. But yeah, I think you ask questions, you listen, and if you got great people they, and they know what they're doing, they usually lead you down the right path. Most people have idiots re- around them. That's why they get in trouble, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and they you got to have great people and when you don't have them they got to go to somewhere else and you got to you can't you, excellence is a state of mind you got to you got to just have people who are committed and they're on top of it and they'll go all the way they'll go all the way for the guests they'll go all the way for the company they're mm-hmm. they're committed <laughs> so yeah that's the way I thought about running business I think I could go run anything because I don't really have a need and I'm not insecure about not being an excerpt now mm-hmm. I got a lot of pushback when I was at Disney because a lot of the park manage the VPs mm-hmm. They didn't love me because I had never worked in a park. <laughs> but they got over it. As haters do. No, they got over it. As such, yeah. working in the park, are you consulted on things, attractions maybe, that are removed or put into parks? Are they, do they come to you and say, look, this is what we're thinking of doing. We want to put this here. We want to remove that from there. Are you consulted on these? or? Oh, you know. Big creative changes, you know, WDI, Walt Disney Imagineering mm-hmm. really comes up with that stuff. And a lot of that stuff's decided at Burbank with Michael Eisner and Bob Iger and those mm-hmm. kind of guys. You know, I was the operations. I ran it. They put mm-hmm. it in. I don't know anything about the creative either. I mean, <laughs> right. they, they could ask me, but they, they're just unbelievable what they come up with. These guys are like you guys, creative. They're artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't understand the word budget. They've never heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. They would spend ten times as much if we didn't keep an eye on them. And uh, but you work together with creative people because you need both. You need the financial results and you need the creativity. Sorry, and when yeah. you when you learn that, don't fight with them. Get along with them because you need them. And they need the money and they need the support and they need the structure, business structure. So that's how Disney works pretty well. It's a real people are really all on the same path of getting it done and and. Uh, you do what you do best, and they do what they do best. And uh, and don't try to get involved in things you're not very good at, like a lot of leaders do. They like to try mm-hmm. to make people think they know everything, and we know they don't. And mm-hmm. it gets annoying. So they may like come to you and say, like, let's say about this is like we're talking about the '90s here. So let's say they may come to you and say, "Hey, Lee, guess what? We're getting rid of Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and putting something else in there." Uh, you field the guest uh, comments. Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll get the guest comments. I there's hate mail on the internet with about me anyway when they took out Mr. Toad's ride. Get out of here! <laughs> oh yeah, people want to kill you. I mean, <laughs> wow. I mean, it's everybody wants everything to be the same at Disney, but they want changes too, and you can't do both. You got mm-hmm. operating costs, and you got to change things out, and uh, then later on they love it. Winnie the Pooh's in there now, I think. Yeah, and, um, yeah. they lo- they love it and they like it. And you just got to take it. People don't, you know, people don't like change, but they want change. Mm-hmm. You know? So this is, and uh, kind of a double-edged sword when you're dealing with a passionate fan community. They want more from you, but at the same time, they don't want you to change any yeah. of the things that they love. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. yeah. So, so I mean, they would say I was an expert in food and beverage, so I got a lot of people would come and ask me what they should do and how it should be. But when they wanted to take out Mr. Toad, they didn't come and say, what do you think, Lee? <laughs> they didn't care <laughs> right. what I thought. They just said, Lee, <laughs> you, gonna- you might get some letters. You might get some <laughs> letters. Yeah, that's Just okay. a few. But you're the man for the job. So, <laughs> Yeah, letters can't hurt you like a fist can. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's true. You really had nothing yeah. to fear after, after hey, your time at Marriott. Hey, bring on that meal. I'm yeah. not worried. I had like, security doors in my office that would close if I was under attack. So <laughs> <laughs> you need one of those trap doors. <laughs> yeah, that's the door that closes. Another door that yeah. closes over With that. The tunnel that goes straight yeah. to Discovery Island, right <laughs> for safety. So like yep. in, in and around like the the mid nineteen nineties. Like I remember there was a, a the, and it got a little bit of bad press. But I was, I'm kind of curious. Like since we're talking about the Mister Toad thing, like they turned Cinderella's castle into like a birthday cake. If I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Did, did y'all get a lot of feedback on that? 
Sure, there's people loved it and people hated it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's like everything. It's like the election right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Donald Trump. People love him and people hate him. So uh, you got to just go and see what happens. Make but, Cinderella's yeah. castle great again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make the castle great again. <laughs> but now they've got it lit and the lights change all night and people mm-hmm. absolutely love that. It's so, beautiful. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah, so, I was going to yeah. say, uh, during your tenure, I know there was a lot of significant closures uh, you know, the, the Disney fan community, of course, uh, speaks out on. Uh, uh, you had things like es- extraterrestrial alien encounter that went in and then went out oh, <laughs> and then, missed that. Yeah. in the stitch. And then you had the whole Disney downtown Disney thing with Pleasure Island and all that kind of business closing down, closing down, like especially like the, uh, I guess, uh, Ventures Club, maybe that Ventures Club closing might have been a little bit after you. No, um, I was there. Was it? I lo- it closed after me, but I loved the Adventures Club. Oh, that was yeah. my favorite. But it was very small, and it wasn't. You know, Pleasure Island got to be a lot of young local kids coming, and mm-hmm. you, you got to be careful. It's got to really come off as extremely safe at Disney with families there with their children, and that Pleasure Island concept uh, kind of outgrew itself. Now it's really getting a huge makeover. I mean, it's unbelievable what they're building down there now oh, with yeah. rest- restaurant. People want more restaurants. Yeah. And- you have to wait too long for dinner in so many places, and people want restaurants and shows and theaters and bowling alleys. Mm-hmm. Who knew? And, uh, yeah, it's quite a place. I imagine when it's finished, it'll be the number one place in the world for going down and doing anything you want to do. Absolutely. I'm kind of surprised, like, you know, because you've seen a lot of new restaurants in there, but they've also, they're opening the Edison, which is going to be like a mm-hmm. themed nightclub. They're yeah. opening uh, uh, uh Oh my God, I'm blank. Oh, Jock Lindsay, which was a bar. Yeah, so they're actually good. putting a couple of bars back in there, but they t- I guess they're getting rid of the nightclub atmosphere, which yeah. caused so many problems back in the day. I think they want things that you can go to at six o'clock in the evening, not mm-hmm. at show up at 11. You know, I, that's, yeah. our, most of our guests are so- gone to sleep. Anything that happens after midnight's a problem. Well, you know, that's a great point because, I mean, now you have your guests they are getting on a bus and they're going back, but now you have, like, maybe locals who are hitting up these clubs and they're driving and they've had a few drinks. And Oh, yeah, it was a problem. Oh, God, fact, yeah. My wife says America is the safest place ever in the world if you're not out after midnight and you're not involved in drugs. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> wow, everything that's a, ha- happens at 2 a.m. That's a, that's a great quote. Yeah. <laughs> That's the that's time of madness. Definitely. That's the donut hour because that's people when all the cops are yeah. out. You know, People yeah. call that the witching hour. Yeah, it <laughs> is. Nobody wants to be out with that. And witching alcohol and drugs kind of get people thinking not too straight. Yeah. Right. Right. yeah. Oh, absolutely. 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 It's yeah. not magical. Yeah, right, correct. <laughs> now, one thing I've been dying to ask you about, Lee, is uh, the Disney Institute because, I mean, you talk a lot about that. And, man... Uh, Back in the day, like I think it was like originally conceived as a resort and learning center. Yeah. Uh, but it's not what it is today. Can you give us a little background info as to what the original concept for the Disney uh, Institute was and how its current incarnation carries yeah. on the teachings? Well, it was Michael Eisner's idea. He thought it would be good to have a, a property called the Disney Institute. And you would people, couples would come there and they would go to classes, wine tastings, and they would go for cooking classes and computer courses mm-hmm. and whatever. And that was a big flop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Never quite heard a bit uh, like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the husband didn't want to go. And the wife, yeah. It was like, oh, forget this. So they slowly merged it into being uh, leadership management, hospitality, uh, training, all kinds of courses for businesses. 
and that's what it is today. Disney Institute is no longer a place. It is really a kind of a virtual university. So the classes could be held at the Contemporary, the Grand Floridian. They could be held in uh, New Orleans, which I'm mm-hmm. sure they go down there and do programs. I mean, all over the world. We have an office in Singapore now, and they're doing Disney Institute classes all over the world. And it's really teaching people kind of the way Disney approaches from hiring to training to creating the right culture to all of the giving feedback to your employees and all that. And it's really taken off, and they do a great job. And it that turned out to be the right thing. But that mm-hmm. self-enrichment of couples was uh, – no, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. I got to tell you, uh, I, I was—I guess I discovered this yesterday that uh, you know I always heard on your shows that you talk about the Disney Institute. I'm like, oh, you must be talking like the past tense or something. Uh, yeah. But you know, because my experience with Disney Institute stopped, I guess, pretty much when they, they, they shut down the resort. But then I discovered, uh, I guess, last night we were kind of prepping for the show today that it still exists uh, in more or less an online format, and I was quite uh, amazed by that. And just you know. Wh- I wish I would have known about it before. Just, I, wanted, I would have checked out a lot of those different courses. I still will. I wanted to check out the animation courses that they did because I thought it was a great idea, especially for somebody like me who grows up like in uh, Louisiana where there's not really a whole lot in terms of learning animation. Yeah. I would have loved this. I, I yeah. just didn't yeah. understand yeah, you why. Need both, you need buddy. more than one person going to these things. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> and but, it was a big uh, campus. Disney Institute is really, it's live courses, Twenty usually 25 people in a class, and they're held everywhere my daughter-in-law actually used to work for disney before i did and she uh she speaks french she's french and she teaches uh disney institute classes in uh, quebec and montreal in french and uh and uh so uh it's uh there's a lot of appetite for it and a lot of companies want it i mean big companies Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, that are using it and learning from it because a lot of companies they know the technical part of their business but they really don't know how to create this culture of where everybody, you know, wakes up in the morning excited to go to work and right. do, do a great job and take care of the customer and everybody. People mm-hmm. that answer the phone, you know, everybody. And so they're they just they're so busy. I don't know how they keep up with it all. Well, just to kind of <laughs> let the listeners know if they're interested in it, it's the website, if I remember correctly, is DisneyInstitute.com. Pretty simple. Yeah, right? Which all the courses in. are on there and the schedules mm-hmm. and the cost and, uh, and where they're coming. They go to different cities and do these programs too. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you, uh, my I, I actually went to the Disney Institute, the resort thing for a uh, um, uh, educational thing. It, it was a jazz workshop actually. So they yeah. brought in all these uh, high level jazz musicians and how to teach certain things. And there was a it was like a three day course, and it was one of the most amazing things I'd ever uh, experienced. Especially since they brought in a lot of the live acts that yeah. were at Walt Disney World time. Like we had a, a personal performance by um, oh, the Mar- uh, Mariachi Cobre mm-hmm. came yeah, and we right. had uh, the, what's the Drum and Bugle Corps, uh, Future Corps was there. And then we had Voices of Liberty did a private performance for us. Oh, wow. Um, and our classes were at the Institute and they were also at, uh, the was the little guest area in Spaceship Earth from, uh, yeah. before it was the Siemens uh, Lounge. It was something else. But uh, yeah, that was one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had. Uh, that's probably it. that's probably why it goes well here because Disney's a city, you know. They got everything you want and mm-hmm. whatever you want to study. They've got experts on the property to bring into those classes, and uh, whether it's uh, building highways or building attractions or water mm-hmm. management or, and uh, natural resources. I mean, everything. Yeah, it impresses me as a, as a concept that was kind of a, ahead of its time. It, it really yeah, does. It was. You know how that started and why they started it was sixty minutes did a 
program back in the 80s about how great Disney was wor- World was and that, you know, Disney ought to run the government. And uh, <laughs> Disney started getting so many requests to come and see backstage tours and to see the place that that's when they started the Disney Institute because uh, they were overwhelmed with uh, corporations and people starting to want to come and see what how we did it mm-hmm. just from that one 60 Minutes program. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, can, can I? Can you give us like a um, like? Because I'd be a little remiss if I didn't ask about this, and maybe maybe you know about this, maybe you don't. But I'm a little bit curious because this kind of started happening around the mid '90s, where Epcot, which was uh, when I was a kid, I would go over there, and it was more uh, education but entertain. And then somewhere around about the mid '90s and or whatnot, they started shifting over to more of an entertainment thing and less of an education thing. Um, do you have any insight on exactly where that shift kind of occurred? Was it just not resonating well with um, parents or, or, or children at the time? Oh, I think the parents liked it. It's when you say the word education, mm-hmm. children run away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we were in France with our grandkids when they were little, and we went to one museum after another. And one day they all folded their arms and said, we want to go to no place with museum in the night. <laughs> 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 so go in the museum let, let them run around outside but yeah kids don't like education when they're at Disney they want to write, they want to write things yeah. what a screen so that, that, that made sense you know yeah interesting concept but you got to go with the uh, changing times and what people want and uh, that's what happens uh, who knows what'll be next I mean you know with technology things are changing so fast it's hard to almost keep up and uh, so We'll see what comes next, but technology is going to create some really incredible rides down the down the road. I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Like following up on that, it, it, can you give us kind of like an example of something that y'all kind of thought was going to hit big with the public, and and that y'all really kind of pushed through and like, okay, this is pulling well, the the numbers are looking good, and y'all put it out there, and it just didn't work out, and for whatever reason, the public didn't didn't take to it. Yeah, I guess I'd have to think about that a while. I don't remember. I mean, we had one, and I can't even remember what it was called. It was uh, right across from where Buzz Lightyear is now. What was that thing? It was kind of a monster-breaking. Was that Alien? Yeah, Alien Encounter. Alien Encounter, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. that wasn't that great. (laughs) It was like, okay, but not great. But... uh, uh, actually, you know, after it first opened, Michael Eisner closed it for three or four months to make it better. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It, after all spending all that money, couldn't even open it because he didn't think it was good enough. So, you, you know, there are busts, and, and it's kind of like the movie biz, you know. Some of those movies, like uh, what was the Lone Ranger when that one it lost a fortune? And, oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The Johnny Depp that, version, yeah. What were some of those other movies? Man, a lot of guys got their, lost their jobs in Burbank, but... Uh, like Waterworld, Wild Wild West. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, but then when you hit a big one like Star Wars or. Yeah. And you do $2 billion, uh, that makes up for a lot of it. But yeah, you never know. And by the way, I think people's tastes are changing quicker mm-hmm. than they mm-hmm. used to. Yeah. Because kids are, you know, they, even today, I mean, kids, they, they can do half this stuff on their phone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. And simulators, and every yeah. a lot of towns are putting simulators in, and rides, and excitement, and you know, you, you know, look it's on International Drive now, everything that's going on over there. I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. You know, it's funny that you say that because I know Danny has a thing about Toy Story Mania, 
yeah. That, that it's a you know it's, his child has it. Oh, my child has it too on her Nintendo system at home. It's something that you could do, mm-hmm. yeah. um, which is doesn't you know the ride attractions doesn't necessarily rank high on his list of favorite attractions. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. I mean, there's so many. Uh, choices now and alternatives kids are really exposed to a lot now what do you think about them bringing in uh like outside properties that weren't necessarily disney properties but disney goes out and says okay uh, star wars we're going to bring star wars in here avatar, avatar. we're going to bring avatar in here uh what do you what do you think about that i mean i think it's helped create some excitement for the brand but i mean what do you think oh i think it's perfect i mean yeah. you, i mean when you bring star wars in and you can make a movie and do a billion and a half you don't even have any idea what the merchandise does yeah. or fr- frozen or <laughs> yeah. i mean this is like a gold mine go you figure <laughs> back the trucks up and keep loading the gold because it's unbelievable i met with a lady this morning she wanted to meet me she moved to orlando and she brought her five-year-old the first thing the child said do you know anna <laughs> i just said sure i do mm. yeah i mean this little kid I mean, they well, know everything. You know, yeah. I, I, I'm piggybacking off of that, Lee, I got, I got to ask you something real quick. We're going we're gonna to play a little role play real quick because uh, me and my family just booked a trip to go to Walt Disney World. We're gonna, we were going in the second week of, of June. And I'm a little disappointed because Disney's put out like a, a lot of advertisement that says, you know, like they were going to be opening uh, Rivers of Light. They were going to be opening... Um, Oh, God, with a soaring around the world. And mm-hmm. they were going to be opening uh, Anna and Elsa, the little dark ride they're going to have in Norway over there. And they were opening all this stuff, and it was coming in the summer. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, here in Louisiana, our kids get out of school around May. So, all right, June, we're going to book a trip. And now it's looking like all those things are still not going to be open by the time we get down there. Now, like, hypothetically, because I'd never do this because they never advertise this. But, I mean, hypothetically, if I was to write you a letter and you were still – the vice president, and I said, Dear Lee, I am quite upset that all these rides are not open. How, how would you respond to that? Would well, you tell me to get a life? <laughs> if they said they're going to be open and they're not, that would be one way I would respond to you. I'd probably take care of you and give you a handful of fast passes or something. But uh, <laughs> uh, Yeah, and they got to be careful because this is a very emotional trip for people. Yeah. I mean, you mm-hmm. can't screw around, especially if kids, they get their hopes up. You know, can you imagine showing up with a little four-year-old and Cinderella's on vacation? I mean, <laughs> exactly. You know? Or Mickey Mouse starts smoking. (laughs) I mean, this is very sensitive. You know, we have a saying at Disney, fantasy is real. Yeah. And reality is fantastic. So Mm -hmm. even if you're a security guard, we expect you to give a great interaction. you got to be great. you got to be nice. you got to bend down and talk to the kids. Fantasy is real. And with fantasy, you got to keep it real because (laughs) these kids – yeah, I guarantee you, even my niece came when she was about seven or eight. When she left, she said, I know those characters weren't real, except Mickey Mouse. <laughs> you know? And my granddaughter, when she was five, met the princesses. She was in shock. She couldn't mm-hmm. speak. I mean, it was like, I, just to watch that is powerful. I mean, oh, it's yeah. unbelievable. So if some girl thinks she's coming to see Anna and it's not opening, that's uh, we probably be a civil suit. She, <laughs> she, she, pro- she probably can't get married or sleep in the rest of her life. So. <laughs> right. Well, and that's the thing. And that's where Disney, like I said, you can't really write a letter because they never said which day it was. They just kept saying it's coming in summer. And we're like, well, June, that's summer. That's safe, right? June is safe, right? Well, no, I guess it wasn't. But I tell you what, you talk about fantasy and reality. I tell you where you see the two of those mix is your bus drivers. Yeah, man, those are the those yeah. are great. Yeah, those are, yeah. I, I was disappointed, like within the last few years, where they kind of like did more of an automated pre-recorded spiel, spiel yeah, yeah, pre-recorded spiel for the because the bus drivers 
were the be- they the ones who like when you were tired and you were dragging your butt onto that bus to go back to the resort to get it all geared up to do it again the next day with your kids screaming yeah they were the ones who entertained you like you're like i'm not happy now i'm going home and i need to rest and they would always entertain y'all you had the best bus drivers ever well, <laughs> let me tell you i think you just brought up a great point and that's the point is all, all businesses and especially disney mm-hmm. you got to be careful when you put technology in to replace spontaneity mm-hmm. i mean absolutely i agree with you yeah. i'll just say it right here disney ought to rethink that because maybe somebody will hear this podcast <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> because i agree with you let's I, hope so <laughs> oh yeah the, the bus drivers did that not because they were had to because they wanted to and right it made their job more fun and people who loved it i got more letters about that and uh so you gotta really be careful about the interaction being missing between the employee cast members and the guests because technology is great, but it's not great for everything. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I say the same thing about the trams as well. Cause I remember when the, the trams got kind of do a, a, pre, a pre-recorded spiel and I remember just listening to the cram guy in the back, just talking about yeah, making jokes, other, making jokes. Fun. Yeah. Oh, that absolutely. was perfect. Absolutely. It was, perfect. It was awesome. You yeah. Know, well, maybe you ought to send a copy of this podcast to George Calagritas. You got his email? Let, yeah, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll show him some clarity for you. Send, send it to me and I will uh, get it over to him. Absolutely. This will be up in a week. <laughs> it takes me a little while to edit. I, I do have another job, but I, I this will be together in a week and I will send it to you. Actually, I'll post it on my LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter and all those places because I got lots of followers at Disney. Oh, great. Oh, please. That's awesome. That'd be please. Great. Thank you so much. You That's know, my cool. podcast, I started doing just about a year and a half ago, and we already got, last month we got 30,000 downloads, so it's doing pretty good. And uh, it's growing every week. Well, so. you got three of those downloads in this room because we enjoy listening to your podcast. You do a great job. Yeah. <laughs> I, I discovered it probably about three months ago. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know why I hadn't started li- found this earth sooner. <laughs> but, yeah, I've been binge listening. So, you know, I'm, I'm yeah, almost caught it's up. It's short and sweet. And you have yeah. something you can take away from it. All right, guys. We hope you are enjoying this interview with Lee Cockrell. Uh, We're going to hit the pause button here for just a second and continue this on the second part coming up in the next week. Yes. So uh, you want to definitely stay tuned to that because if you enjoy those stories and our conversation with him, you're definitely going to enjoy the second half of this and it's going to be just as awesome. Lee was a great pleasure to talk to, very down to earth. I feel like we could sit on a bank of of, of Mississippi River with a, a glass of wine and just just talk away, you know? Oh, man, that was definitely artistic buffs talking Disney stuff. Absolutely. About as open and honest of an interview we've, we've ever had. The man did not hold back. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. That's what you want. So, That's guys, want. we're going to handle some business here to wrap up the show. If you want to learn more about the Magic Our Way podcast, magicourway.com is the way to go. There you'll find our social media links, past episodes, and more. If you want to get in touch with us, you can get in touch with us through the following way. Shoot us an email at magicourway at gmail.com. Call or text us. I did say Texas. I did say I did say. Uh, I do say I, <laughs> I say. Do say I now, nah, nah, boy. Nah, what boy. are you doing there, son? <laughs> uh, you can call or text us at 1815-MO-WEEKEND. That is 1815-I say MO-WEEKEND. That is 1815-669-4226, guys. And if you want to support Eli and all his little projects, man, Eli's about to tell you how to do that. Eli? 
I say, I say. Who say, I say? I say, I say. Eli say, I say. Eli say, I say. If you want to get some Project Gation today, come on here and listen to Magic Our Way. Yes, sir. No way. Yes, way. You got to see the special man. Because it's our way. Let him have it. Let him have it. Here you go. And so, Eli, where can they get in touch with you to get your stuff? Oh, man. Where to start? Okay. So, I've been working. I've been trying working. to get. Yes, indeed. He's oh. working. And yes, indeed, I'm selling. <laughs> and yes, indeed, I'm drawing. Mm-hmm. Just try to get some books to you. What you going to do when you go to ivorycomics.com? You going to order the Gish book, too. You going to like because it work for you. Why it- doesn't this website work for me? <laughs> Why can't I buy his comic book? But I'm fixing that. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Hey, look. Um, working with you guys again. You guys show me this. Just It's mm-hmm. like... One one way is like, hey, this is the only way I know this one highway. But no, nope, you come on Magic Highway, we create interstates. Okay? <laughs> we got exits to get you to where you need to go. Hey, where are we taking you? We don't need roads. Don't need roads. <laughs> Buckle up. So, okay. Ivory Comics website is up, first of all. Woo! All right. <laughs> uh, second of all, I have... I have. Can, a, they can actually order a book on IvoryComics.com right now. Yeah, I don't know when this is coming out, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can you can go to it. I actually have I have a, a, a web designer, very very cool person. There you go. All you people have been emailing us saying he keeps advertising this website and we can't buy a book. There you go. Allegedly, it is up. It is up. Ah. It is up. And uh, and and. and <laughs> And I know the I, studio audience is amazed. I, you know what? There should probably be a, a part in the hub. We like, how did you get from this point of having a website and not having a store to actually getting a website with a store? And uh, I tell you, the secret is, is is just like Lee said, man. You got to surround yourself with good people. You got to be clear about mm-hmm. what you want to do. You got to prioritize. You got to get that day planned out. Mm-hmm. Gotta get that day planned out. I was like, yeah, right. Number one on the day planner since I come on this podcast every week, get the website going. So I, I was I was lucky enough to have a graduate of Oxford help me out. A graduate of Oxford helped Oxford. Out. Was he on the rowing team? I don't know if she was. <laughs> It ain't the Winklevoss twins. Winklevoss. <laughs> I can't even spell Winklevoss. <laughs> All right, but uh, yes, uh, we're gonna have the store up, and you can always and we'll we'll start from the beginning. You go on Facebook, you can look me up, Eli H Ivory. It's a picture of uh, Stitch on there, and uh, the guy from Justified. So that's how you know it's me, because apparently I have doppelgangers out there in Internet Land. You've got impersonators. Yeah, I do. If you Google my name, there'll be another guy that pops up with the name Eli. If you don't have Ivory Comics next to him, it's not me. Don't don't look and ask him for no Project Geisha stuff. Yeah, don't buy Project Goisha. That's yeah. not that's not a evil Eli. Ivory. That is that. Yeah, well, yeah. I come with the real stuff. Right. Yeah. So Eli H Ivory <laughs> on Facebook. You can find me there. Project Geisha has his own Facebook page. You're more than welcome to go through, see some preview art, post some comments. So, you know, that's facebook.com slash Project Geisha. The website, www.ivorycomics.com. You will be able to go there, see art from Project Geisha, get a nice little, you know, uh, intro in there, and have uh, previews of, you know, future art as well. And, yes, there will be a shop. But okay, let's just say you, you're like, hey, look, I want to see your book right now. 
Uh, you can you can uh, go to www.peepgamecomics.com and do a search for Project Geisha, and you can get a digital download of the book. Now, the only thing is, is that if you get the printed copy, which you know I'm personally a fan of, you get extra features. So it's like you know you go to the store, you're like, hey, I just want to see the movie, or you can go ahead and get the extra features. It's up to you, but I appreciate any and all support. Are given to me so uh hey, well if they order from you you'll sign the book for them. i will sign the book i will sign, the sign book. it however you want well you got to put that request in there you well, know but yeah uh, to the hottest guy i've ever met love eli <laughs> 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 he will do that for I, will, I will you know i'll do that but that'd be extra you know but uh <laughs> yeah uh so yeah that's uh those are the the various ways you can find me as far as the book uh twitter uh hancock 10166 Instagram, eIvory504. All right, guys. And if yes. you still want to book a vacation, you can still book with Lee 1.0. Yes. Uh, you can. He's uh, Lee of Magical Moments Vacations, which is a platinum earmark Disney travel agency. So if Disney trusts them with that title, so can you. Book with Lee today by shooting him an email at lee at magicrway.com or call him at 832-570-5490. And keep in mind, if you book a vacation with Lee, a portion of every booking goes to support Girl Power to Cure, which is a nonprofit organization dedicated to raising awareness and funds for the treatments and the cure for Rett Syndrome. If you want to support the Magic Highway podcast, you can click on our affiliate links on our website. You can also buy us some beignets and support the show that way. And we got a couple of weekends we're going to thank a little bit later on our very special guest services. So stay tuned for that. You can also represent the Moican Nation wherever you go by purchasing some clothing from our shop, our merchandise. And guys, please leave a rating and a review in iTunes or wherever you download the show, but especially iTunes. Make sure that you do that. Leave that little star rating. If you have time, please write us a review. That'd be great. But if you go, go click on that little star, let everybody know how much you appreciate the Magic Army podcast and enjoy our content. Uh, we would definitely be very, very thankful. And every now and then, as we get enough collected man we will mention your name or at least the given name that you put in the review site to thank you personally from us on a very special show as well so please 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 definitely do that please baby and we thank you for taking the time out of your day to listen to us and make us a part of your disney fan life we appreciate you and love hearing from our listeners all opinions are welcome on the magic or a podcast so get in touch with us today so my weekends, ladies and gentlemen, I say Quaharini. My name is Kevin. And my name is Danny. Magic out. Bye now and have a Disney day. <laughs> hey, Kevin here from the Magic Hour podcast. I hope you enjoyed that show. And I wanted to take a second to let you know about something we have been working on. We are currently working with Mad Hatter Radio to bring you more unique Disney content. So Mad Hatter Radio, you may be thinking, wait, is that another one of those Disney online radio station kind of things? You know, the fan stations that play all the different kind of stuff? And my answer is, yeah, it is, but there's more. They've plussed it. Not only do they bring you the park audio, the binaural audio. They bring you the songs from the attractions, the spiels, anything. But also they bring you songs from the movies. They'll bring you songs from Disney theatrical, the Broadway shows like Lion King, Newsies, The Little Mermaid, uh, Soon to Come Aladdin, any of those things, man. 
So we're offering a bunch of different things, more so than your regular old Disney fan station from the parks, you know? So if you're a fan of all those elements of Disney lore, and we are, especially here on the Magic Hour Podcast, you want to definitely check out this radio station. Oh, and also we provide different versions of the Disney songs as recorded by different artists. So for example, you may have the song When You Wish Upon a Star, one of my favorite songs. You may hear the original version sung by Jiminy Cricket. And you may hear a country version. You may hear a Hawaiian hula version. You may hear a rock version, a funk version, a jazz version, any version, man, that's out there. Uh, you'll hear it on Mad Hatter Radio. So not only do you get the standard stuff, but you also get the stuff that people have been creative with. And you know, in the Magic Hour podcast, we really stress you guys being creative. So yeah, definitely give a listen, man. And you maybe it'll help you get your inspiration going. You maybe you know, be a closet musician, be like, hey, I've always wanted to do a heavy metal version of Part of Your World. Well, you know, listen to this radio station, Mad Hatter Radio, and you'll definitely get some inspiration on how to do that. So, guys, definitely check it out. Mad Hatter Radio right there on our website, magicrway.com. On the right-hand side, you just click the button, and you're listening to Mad Hatter Radio while you work, while you play, while you do some gardening, whatever else. So check it out, Mad Hatter Radio. And we'll see you on the next show.